0: Happy Wednesday, everybody. You are listening to the VBAC Link. This is Megan and Julie is on with us. And we have a special guest. Her name is Jessie True Love. And we are excited to talk about her episode today because this is something, it's actually a first for the VBAC Link. And it's something, you know, we were just chatting a little bit before. We're like, why has you know, why haven't we had this happen? Because this is totally what we talk about and what we teach about in our courses. And this episode is where she had an emergency C-section, ended up recovering from a really difficult um, delivery and had very little support. And really at the next child, like all said and done, she decided to have a repeat C-section. And I love this. I love this because as the VBAC link, as Megan and Julie, yes, I'm talking for you, Julie. Um, we Mm-hmm. are all about everybody making the best choice for them. And that may not be a VBAC. Some people may not choose to have a VBAC. One of my best friends, she's had three C-sections. First one was unexpected, two were scheduled. And I love and support her in that. Even though that's not what I chose to do, I chose to back. I support her in that. And I'm so grateful that she had that opportunity So we're really excited to dive into this episode today and hear her story. She has done so much good in the world. After her birth, she decided to dedicate her focus to helping moms recover fully from their pregnancy and delivery. And we're going to talk all about that in the end because she's got some pretty cool stuff that she's in charge with. But of course, we have a review of the
1: week before we dive right into it. All right. Yes. The review of the week. Um, This is kind of a long one, but I really feel like it goes in line with this episode, kind of, but, uh, and then I'm going to tell you about how I um, shamelessly stalked Jesse in (laughs) after this, but this review is actually an email. We got an email from Christina T and we really love getting emails from people that we, who we have helped along the way. And so If you want to reach out to us through messenger or email or Instagram messages, or leave a review on Apple podcasts or Google or Facebook or wherever you want, we reply to all the email messages and and DMS that we do get. So we love talking to people and hearing their stories. And this is kind of a long one, so bear with me here, but I really like it. So she says, I wanted to tell you about my repeat C-section on the podcast. I've heard that term so many times, hold space. For me, that's what you ladies have been preparing me for these nine months without me knowing it, for holding space. For nine months, I prepped for the back of my dreams. I listened to every podcast, was a member of the Facebook group, did all the things, in quotations, to prepare for the birth I thought I so desperately needed. I was ready to have an unmedicated birth and to roar my baby into this world. At 32 weeks, we found out baby was breech. I had been going to the chiropractor twice a week and felt confident he would flip. He did not flip. I then started to kick on my spinning babies, got acupuncture, did everything online I could come up with, and he still would not flip. Around this time was the week you guys had your repeat C-section podcast. And for me, it was a sign to start mentally preparing for what might not be. I spent the next few weeks switching my mindset from feeling sorry for myself and switching it to feel strong. It was during those weeks I thought to myself, what am I missing? All of this education and research can't have been for nothing. That's when it clicked for me. I've been preparing to hold space for what won't be, and I have the tools to do that. We scheduled my C-section, when March and when March 8th came, I was ready as I was going to be. The anesthesiologist came into the room, and I knew it was going to be a wonderful experience. Prior to this baby, we had suffered two losses in a row. We needed to have a DNC for the second loss, and all day, different staff members asked me to state in my own words what procedure I was having, and each time I would break into tears, as it was a very difficult day. My doctor came into pre-op. Instead of asking the same questions, he simply said, I'm sorry you're here for this procedure. Are you doing okay? The same kind, genuine man was going to be my anesthesiologist now. When I first walked into the OR, my stomach dropped. It was bright, cold, and sterile, just like last time. But My doctor must have sensed my heightened awareness and said, your baby is coming. And with that, I was ready. We were able to drop the drape, watch our son come into the world, and have skin to skin right away. It was night and day from our first experience. It was joyful and blissful, and I left feeling like a mom and not a patient. I left feeling confident and like a badass. I left holding a space for my experience and for our story and I'll be forever grateful for that gift from you ladies. Birth doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes it's better. And that gives me chills at the end. Birth doesn't always go as planned. Sometimes it's it's better.
0: Yes. Let's make that an image and quote her because that same thing, I just got the chills. I was like, yes, sometimes it doesn't go as planned, but it's better. And like, yeah, I feel like I can connect that even with my second C-section. Like, yeah, like I didn't want that second C-section because it was such an amazing experience and it healed my first birth experience.
1: Yeah, so, I love that. I love it. All right. Awesome. Well, let me just kind of tell a little bit of a funny story and then I promise I won't take up much more time. Jesse, we did a uh, Instagram live with her on her Instagram page. It's still with, there. <laughs> yeah. Move with true love, right? That's what it's yes. called. And, um, it was really fun. This was a long time ago. And so like we followed her and I just love her content. She has great content, super fun. Like her reels are amazing. I just, you just love seeing her bright, beautiful face, like on our, on as we scroll through our feed and everything. And I just, just haven't really enjoyed like following along with her uh, Instagram. And I knew that she had had a cesarean and that she was preparing and that she was pregnant again. And I don't even know this whole story, but at some point, Along the way, Jesse decided that she was going to have a repeat cesarean instead of attempt a VBAC. And I was like, oh my gosh, okay, this is really cool. I need to like follow along and see like how this all ends up because we haven't ever had a story on our podcast about somebody who had chosen, like decided to have a repeat cesarean. Even though there's tons of people, even out though there's there. yes. lots of people that do all the tons. Day. Yeah. And all of our, fact, a large story, chunk of people, the more yes. the majority do. Yes. Yeah. And we've had, you know, see back stories where people have tried for a TOLAC and then ended up in a repeat cesarean, but we've never had somebody that's like decided during their pregnancy that this a cesarean was the right way for them to go. And so I was like, so excited. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to follow up with this. I need to like, make sure she's on my radar or something. Um, I, and then, and then she announced her, she, her cute little birth story was on, on a little real on her Instagram page. Like you need to go find it. If it's the cutest thing ever. And then I knew like that she had had her baby and she has had a C-section. And then I was like, oh my gosh, I want her to share her story on the podcast. But like, I don't know if she will be um, like open to it because I know it's, it's, Like from what I picked up from the reels, it wasn't an easy decision to make, but I, so I didn't want to like overstep my boundaries and she's like super cool. And she's like way bigger than us on Instagram. And I'm like, feel so small and tiny, but like one day I'm like, okay, I'm just going to reach out and I'm just going to say how much I love her and how excited I am that she um, had a really good birth experience. And I would love to share her story on the podcast if she would like to. And she said, yes. (laughs) (laughs)
2: oh my gosh I only got good vibes from our last conversation and I literally wanted you guys to like do my v-back like that's what I wanted like yeah it it was a big change for me it it was a definitely a mind shift but it wasn't as big of a deal as I realized it was once I put it out there on social media it was well and I'm
1: sure you got a lot of support like I I I don't know maybe there were some people that Probably, I mean, social media, we, as we're getting bigger, there's people that argue with us and disagree with us all the time, but I just love it. You were confident in your decision. You just radiated that security and that confidence. And I think that that's what we all want going into birth is just being confident and feeling supported. And that's the vibe I got from you when you were talking about it and sharing your, your birth story and things like that. <music>
3: The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts Julie and Megan
1: without taking it up too much more time, first of all, thank you so much. I'm so excited to have you share your story and to listen to you share about that decision that you made and then we're going to talk a little bit afterwards about when it might be a good idea to choose a repeat uh, C-section. And then Jessie's going to share some of her awesome really awesome stuff. resources. Yeah. <laughs> yes. She's got lots of really cool stuff. So hang in there with us because this is a really, really good story and you want to hear what she has to say at the end. All right, Jessie, you've got it. <laughs>
2: okay. Thanks so much guys for having me. I'm, I'm actually really, really honored to be on your podcast. I had such a good experience um, chatting with you guys. It felt so, so natural the first time we did it. So it was very easy yes for me. So I guess I'll start off with uh, my my first C-section, which really has paved the way for everything that I'm doing now. Really everything about motherhood has shaped everything that I do now. So with my first pregnancy, I was working out really hard. I was a, I've been a personal trainer since 2014, specializing in women's fitness. I've taught in multiple states, uh, boot camps and circuit classes and personal training and for apps and all kinds of stuff. But it wasn't until my own delivery, really, because I had a fairly easy pregnancy in respects to working out. I was very active. And so I thought in my head, I had this very clear picture of what my birth story was going to look like. And it it just seemed really, really easy to picture what it was going to be, and I thought if anybody could, this was a really, a really weird thought to have. But I, if anybody could have a natural birth, and if anybody could do it successfully, I, it didn't even cross my mind that a C section could be in my future. And uh, meanwhile, I'm the oldest of six kids, and my mom has had uh, four kids by a C section, so pretty interesting that I never thought it was going to cross. Cross my path, so I went into my delivery, like I said, with a very clear picture of what my what my birth story was going to look like, and it quite literally went the exact opposite. I was in labor for 26 hours. I was bleeding. I got a uterine infection. I had a fever. My placenta was failing. Heart rate was dropping for the baby, and um, they broke my water. I got Pitocin. It was literally like my worst nightmare. And I was so, so exhausted by the time that my doctor, well, I couldn't have my midwife anymore who had been with me the entire time. And by the end of the 26 hours, I had the OB come in and he was checking me for dilation and I just, I just wasn't dilating and they gave me Pitocin and they broke my water. And I think I got to like a, a, maybe an eight or a nine and I just, it just wasn't happening. And then contraction slowed down. And I really was, I was so exhausted. And he came in and he was checking me for dilation and he asked me to push. And I was just so out of it. I just, I didn't even know how to push. And I feel like that's like women just, if it's such a medical experience, you go in and you're hooked up to all these monitors and it just doesn't feel natural. It feels really, really medical. And especially when, when doctors are coming in and nurses are coming in and checking your blood pressure and you've got this monitors and beeping and honking and all this mm-hmm. stuff going on, you, you don't even know what's actually happening with your own body. And then mm-hmm. when you have, I had an epidural by that point as well. And so I could feel, you know, how epidural feels. You can kind of feel the contractions coming and going, but it's not even close. So your doctor asks you to push and you have no idea what he's talking about. Push what? Like you don't, most women <laughs> don't even know what yeah. the pelvic floor is. And I was, I was one of those women before my pregnancy. I was, I was lifting and pushing some heavy weight. I was deadlifting 255. I'm a five foot person. That is a lot of weight for a tiny person. I didn't have the, the mindset of function. I had, I had one picture of what fit looked like, of one picture of what strength looked like. And it was not anything that what strength really is. Motherhood taught me that. And he asked me to push. And I didn't know what he was talking about. And he goes, oh, you you can't do this. You're going to need a C-section. What? It's, it's going to be C-sections from now on. And, and I laid there completely drugged out of my mind. I look at my husband and tears are just welling up in my face. I could cry just thinking about it. And my husband is, you know, he. we think that we're the strongest people we know. That's, you know, we love each other so much. And he wanted to take that whole experience on himself. And it was killing him that he couldn't. And he put on a brave face. It is hard for husbands too. Dads go through this with you. And, you know, it is, it's, it's so much. He looked at me and he was like, it's going to be okay. We just have to do what we have to do, you know? And in my head, I'm like, what do you, like, I'm already thinking of the future. I'm like, what do you mean? my, all my next pregnancies are going to be C-section. I felt like it was the worst possible time to lay that on me, you know, and it's just, it's just the standard of care. It's just not there for moms. So they, the OB, the OR doctor left, he was assembling his team and the anesthesiologist had to be called in. Uh, we're in the middle of nowhere out here in the Oklahoma panhandle. So they have to call the team in. They're not just there waiting for you if something goes wrong. So. We're waiting for the team. I'm laying there. And all I could think was I've totally and completely failed before I even got to start. Aww. My body has totally failed me. And I, I don't even know, like, I'm supposed to be able to do this. This is what I was made to do. And he just told me I can't now and I'm never going to be able to. And that stuck with me forever. And then, you know, we're getting ready for, for the C-section and I've never had any kind of surgery ever Never, ever, ever, and so I'm terrified. I was already terrified to give birth, and now I'm terrified to go be cut open. And so they have me hunched over. Oh no, they, this was after I had my epidural. So they they changed it over to um, you know where they have to just keep pumping the epidural in. So it wasn't a spinal tap, and they were they put me onto the new table. They strapped me down to the table. You know, which was other things I didn't expect to happen either. It's all such a mental hurdle to get over. You're like, wait, they don't tell you any of this going in. Yeah, I feel like that just all adds to the mental like trauma of you have no control in this. We're strapping you down. You're numb. You can't have your baby the way you wanted to. You're getting wheeled out of the room. You just got comfortable in. Your husband has to wait out here. It was, it was hard. It was so hard. And so Anyways, so we get rolled into the OR room, and just like your mama said previously on that story you were sharing, it was cold, it was sterile, a bunch of people that you don't know are in there, your husband's not in there, you know, you get placed onto the table, you get strapped down, you get the blue sheet at your neck, and it's an emergency situation because the heart rate is dropping. I had a fever of 103 uh, because they had checked me so many times, and um, I I got an infection literally while I was there within 24 hours in my uterus. And that's why it was, I was on antibiotics for probably, I was in the hospital for five days and I was on antibiotics the whole time, which, you know, antibiotic, just the additional medicine. I'm not one to like even pop an Advil for a headache. So it was just a lot. So they do, they're doing the surgery. It's all very fast. It was a ton of pressure kind of pressure relief when they took the baby out. So it sewed me up pretty quick. Again, I had no idea what was happening afterwards. So she, they took Radley out and I could hear her screaming. And, I, you know, and in that moment, it's all totally worth it. It's all worth it. Because even at the end of your emergency traumatic C-section, you still get a baby. The baby that you've been dreaming about for nine months, the baby you've been dreaming about. For me, it was since I was a teenager. I've been, me and my husband have been together for Oh, 12 years since high school. And we've been talking about our kids forever. So in that moment, I'm like, Oh, I could do it again. I could do it a thousand times the same exact way. I'd go through everything the same because at the end of your really shitty experience, if, if it is shitty, which mine was, it, it's still worth it. So they brought the baby over to Shane and Shane just put her on my face because that's the only thing that it's the only skin I had accessible. They didn't tell me about skin to skin. They didn't drop the curtain. I didn't get to see anything. And I felt like I missed out. I felt like I got gypped in my birthing experience, which I did. I, and I think that's okay for moms to feel. And I feel like there's so much judgment around, around feeling what you feel about your birth. Um, I feel like a lot of moms, and myself included i didn't talk about my first c section for a long time and i didn't feel comfortable in sharing in the fact that i wasn't i wasn't just grateful for my baby being alive but i was really pissed i was mad about my c section i was mad about how i was spoken to i was mad that my that i felt like my body had failed me i was and nobody nobody made that feel valid for me Nobody asked me how I was really doing, you know, because after pregnancy, I feel like a lot of moms can attest to this, you know, it stops being about you and it goes all to the baby. You get one checkup postpartum and then that's it, you know, and, and at my, at my six week checkup, they didn't even check me internally. You know, I got the magic check at six weeks. Like you're good to go back to whatever you're doing, whatever you were doing before you got pregnant and so I went back to doing those things and I realized quickly that my idea of strength and my idea of being fit was so terribly wrong. And I had never felt like more of a stranger in my own body. I got home with this new baby that was beautiful and perfect. And I had a brutal recovery from being in labor for so long and the infection and all of that. And then, you know, recovering from a C-section and major surgery. And, you know, they, they don't really explain that to you um, in the respects that you should be getting rehab postpartum and to, to be rebuilding connections with those muscles and movement patterns and muscle recruitment patterns and all of those things. And so I went, I went into my recovery pretty blind. And I realized quickly that, that moms don't get much support at all at all through anything postpartum and and then i went I, I got really educated and i built courses for moms to to rehab their own bodies postpartum everything that they need and i realized that moms don't need a six pack even though if you want one it's totally possible what we need to be able to do is sneeze without peeing our pants and nobody can tell could, could have told me how to do that there wasn't that information really out there. There was really just Kegels. And if Kegels don't work, get a surgery, another surgery. And it just is a lot of, there's just a lot of room for improvement out there for the standard of care for moms. And that's, that's what I get to do now. And so I, I love that. And then in my, in my interim between my next pregnancy, I had a lot of focus in my mind in talking with my family and talking to you guys that I wanted to have a V-back, that I was like confident that that was just a one-off thing and that I was going to be able to have a V-back and it was going to be successful. And that's what I was going to try for and all those things. And then w- once I actually got pregnant, we we did experience um, one loss after my, after my first baby and we had a miscarriage. And I got pregnant pretty quickly afterwards. And, you know, I was kind of discussing with my husband, like, what we were going to do, because once we're in, you just don't know what you're going to do until you're there. So once I was pregnant and, you know, thinking about where we were going to deliver, who was going to do the surgery, because the the OB that did my uh, C-section the first time, he didn't live here anymore, which probably was better because this doctor that I, that I got this time, he is just amazing. And then after I met him, I felt a lot more comfortable with choosing another C-section. And after going over kind of, my options with him, which I think is super important. If you want to choose a C-section, you know, like just because you want to choose one, you know, you have, you have those reasons in your mind about why that's a better choice for you. And that should be okay. That should be valid reasons. But I did, I did ask him some things, you know, trying to get his opinion, his medical opinion on what was the best choice for me. Even though in my head, after I was sitting in the, in the hospital, I was like, I really don't want to be stuck in the same position that I was last time. I don't want to be in labor for 26 hours to get stuck again and to have to go through another labor, the C-section and a surgery, uh, and then have to come home and take care of two babies. And that in my head was really important to me to be able to still be able to do everything I needed to do um, and not have such a tough recovery. Cause I remembered my recovery being so, so hard from basically going through two deliveries, the 26 hours of labor and, you know, feeling all of that and then going through my emergency C-section. So when I was talking to him, he basically gave me some options. He said, you know, he did mention uterine rupture and I know the odds are very low, but like I said, we're in the, in the middle of nowhere. And so he personally had seen some uterine ruptures happen and you just kind of don't know that they're happening until, you know, baby's heart rate is dropping. And for us, that risk of not having a team on staff because the hospital is so small, that risk of having to call a team in just wasn't worth it to me. And I had to weigh the options and weigh the risks between a repeat cesarean, which there are risks and uh, the risks of, you know, trying to labor and then ending up in the same position that I was in last time. And so we ended up choosing the repeat cesarean, and I felt really comfortable with that, knowing that it was going to be scheduled, knowing that my mom was going to be in town and being able to watch my other daughter. That was really important to me, like my daughter's experience through us being gone because we've never left her with anybody before. I just had a, a ton of stress surrounding surrounding that. Not to say that the second C-section didn't bring me a lot of stress too. I don't know why I had this irrational fear and moms are really good at this, that I was, I was going to die. I, w- I had this irrational fear that I was going to go into surgery and not come out for my, my toddler. You know, you don't have that fear going into the first one of not getting back to somebody. So that was really hard for me. I was shaken like a leaf laying on the table, going in for our scheduled C-section for River, my second daughter and it's funny because just like the mom that you mentioned earlier in the beginning of this show, you know, you get, you can get really lucky with the staff that you have for your experience. And I totally, I lucked out my anesthesiologist. He felt like family. And, and it's funny to say, cause you meet them and like, you know, they come in and tell you the risks and stuff for the spinal block and all that. And, uh, you know, they talk to you and you're like, gosh, I'm so scared. But for some reason, like, you just are calming those nerves. I think it's so important to have that type of support team. And you could just tell this guy had, had daughters. I went into the OR room. They wheel you in there. And I'm leaning over the table or leaning over um, my nurse's shoulder. And she's just holding me. And they're putting in the spinal tap. And, you know, they lay me down. And again, you're, you're in there without your husband. The lights are all on, cold, sterile. They, they are uh, strapping you down. And I just had this fear that I was going to die and they're working and they get her out and I hear her screaming. And again, it was the most beautiful noise and sound that I had ever heard. And they bring her over. And, and in that moment, it was just peace. It was so much peace. And again, it was just all worth it. And, you know, they, they cleaned her up and, They sewed me up and my doctor was really, really careful with my C-section scar, which was really important to me too for adhesions and making sure that everything was sewed up very carefully. And they took dad and baby out and I went to recovery and it was probably 30 minutes. I feel like that's something they don't tell moms either, that you're going to be in a recovery by yourself, which is always a little bit sad. It was for me. I had, I had both situations where I was in a recovery room by myself, but the feelings that I had surrounding my second C-section were not failure, were not that my body had failed. I had so much power in the choice that I had to be able to know my outcome and that that it did heal me from my first experience as well because I mourned that delivery. I mourned that experience that I felt like I missed out on. And even though I didn't get to have a vaginal delivery, I didn't get to have that experience. I still, I still got to experience something beautiful and, you know, everybody came out okay. And, and that's not, you know, not always the most important thing to, to bring up to a mom too. Like she is proud of her baby. She is proud that, that their baby is happy and healthy, but it's also really, really important to let her feel everything else. And I feel like that's, That's what this world needs more of Um, instead of, well, I just, I didn't realize how much judgment there was around choosing a repeat C section until I put it out there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was, oh my gosh, I got shamed so hard by a doula. She told me that I, I was saying I was too good for labor. I was too good for uh, that labor was beneath me. And, I thought that is such a dangerous position for that lady to be in as a women's birth support person and her, her personal feelings around C-sections to a person that she does not know. She is a mother herself. And to shame a mom, I literally was trying to rationalize in my head during my own time of, of choosing a a C-section you know, that this was really the best thing for me and for my family. You know, we don't have family here in town that can come and take care of our house and our baby. So we needed our family to fly in. That was a really big thing for us. We, we needed to make sure our toddler was taken care of. That alone could have been my only reason to choose a a C-section and it, it should be okay because I do have other kids to take care of. Regardless, I do have my own mental health to take care of. And my first experience was crippling. I, 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 there's nothing like looking at your body after you have this beautiful baby in your arms and thinking, gosh, I feel like a failure. I feel like my body failed. I feel like I, I can't do the one thing a woman is supposed to be able to do. I can't, I, I don't recognize the body that I'm in. I'm supposed to be. This strong fitness person, and I put all this pressure on myself to bounce back. I didn't know how to do that. You know, there's just so much pressure. It's so much pressure from not only ourselves, because moms do that, women do that, but especially with social media, it can be a blessing, but it can definitely be a curse with how easy it is to access people and access very vulnerable parts of people's lives this whole C-section conversation that I've become so passionate about talking about really stemmed from that doula's comment to me because I didn't realize that women were getting so much shame from this. And it wasn't until I put my own experience out there that women were like, you know, yes, like that is me. I, I got shamed by my own mom. I got shamed by my best friend. I got, you know, people telling me that I didn't really birth my baby, Like that Mm -hmm. stings as a mom and, and our words quite literally carry weight to the people that we say them to. And I, whether it's a stranger or a friend or somebody on social media or somebody in your family, a sister-in-law, a mother-in-law, all the things, there just has to be more support all around because at the end of the day, we're just moms trying to get home with our healthy baby. Yeah. And there's like, there's no shame in that.
0: No matter how you do it. Right. And we're honestly like, yeah, healthy baby and we're wanting to stay healthy, but like we're also wanting a good experience for us. And you know, when I was choosing to be back, I also got the backlash of just schedule the C-section. Why would you do that? Why would you chance it? I mean, it goes both ways, right? Like, just can't win. I yeah. mean, literally, it, it doesn't even have to be about birth. You, I mean, no. vaccines, mask, no mask for COVID. I mean, no matter totally. what it is, like it's this battle. And like, I wish so badly to this day that people could just take a step back, take a deep breath and say, okay, I know where I stand. I support where you stand, whether it's the same or not. Because there's like, yeah, it's totally, if we could just be validated in our own choice and not be questioned and put down for making the choice that we feel is best, this world would be so much happier and less battly and snarky, right? Like I chose to totally. be back. You chose not to be back. Do I think you're any less of a person? Do I think you birthed your baby any less? Hell no.
1: <laughs> That's the it's, answer. It- I yeah. he said hell on the podcast.
2: I was going to say <laughs> something worse, time. but I didn't know if that was acceptable. You know, I know. yeah, I know it could get a little raw in motherhood. Okay, guys.
0: Yeah, um,
2: it's uh it's it's pretty crazy. There's like a a million paths to motherhood and there's no right way or wrong way. It's just it's just your way. I and exactly. love that there's a million
1: paths to motherhood. Hold on, it, I'm I making mean, notes for some social media posts later. Hold on, write <laughs> it down, Julie.
2: <laughs> it's pretty crazy. We're like the largest population, you know? Like there's so much more that connects us than what divides us. And we let those, they're really just, you know, our subtle and big differences, but they, we let them divide us. And if, if moms would just come together, like you said, it would just be so much nicer because there's already so much pressure from other moms. Like we say that we want this support. We say we want to be validated, but it's, it's usually moms that are so vicious to other moms Mm -hmm. and it just, it's mind blowing to me because it breaks my heart. Yeah, it it really is uh, heartbreaking because we've all got the same goal and that's to raise raise these little people mm-hmm. with love and you know everybody everybody has a different way to either get to motherhood because that's that's a journey all in itself and right. one to be very cognizant of again with the comments like mm-hmm. when you're gonna have another baby you know you really don't know the length that either a couple is going to be going, is going to be having to, to have a second baby or even to have their first baby.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah. And,
2: and even a birth experience can really change the way if you want to have another baby or not and your recovery. Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. you don't feel supported for the first one, it's going to be really hard to feel supported in the second one. And unless something changes, you know, Mm -hmm. and that's, I think that's what we in this field are trying to do. We're trying to change that. We're trying to change and, and raise the standard of care for moms because we are, we are the population that raises the next generation that keeps the world going. If you, if you help moms, you help the future. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. That's what every mom deserves.
0: Well, yeah. And I feel like, um, I'm going to roll it back even to like what your provider said, right? Like he was like, oh, you're going to have to have a C-section because you're not doing this. And you're gonna always have to have a C-section. And my doctor said, you're going to for sure rupture. I'm glad you didn't do it. Right. Mm-hmm. Like those things, they stick with us and they yeah. impact us and they Im- they do impact the decisions that we make and the ways we view things. And so I'm, this is like totally not a sponsor of ours, but Sarah Pixton has a podcast called birth words and it's called it's birth words, language for a better birth. And just like you've been talking about these words, they stick with us. And even though you as a person, maybe sharing something with someone based off of how you feel or whatever, remember that that might stick with them and impact them substantially in either a positive or a negative way. And so when we, as people are speaking, we need to be aware of what we are saying, how we are saying it, who we are saying it to, and be respectful of everybody's decisions and choices and views. And like you said, like what they've been through, like there's a lot of people with infertility stuff that don't even talk about it because they don't feel like they yeah. can.
2: It's definitely mm-hmm. some everything pretty much about motherhood. I feel like if you don't feel like you're going to be supported, you're not going to share. And then that creates a situation where you're not going to reach out to the right people and get the support that you need, which creates more unsupported moms, which creates more chances of, of not getting the experience you wanted because you didn't have the knowledge and the information and the support that you needed to Mm -hmm. possibly have the situation that you wanted to happen actually happen for you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like, like you said, with with the words that he said to me that kind of pushed me into this prideful position of like, okay, I'm for sure having a V back next time, Mm
0: -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. like
2: I'm going to show you, I can have a V (laughs) back. And then once I got there, I was like, uh, I don't know what I want. That's not actually, I don't really want to try this again because of this, this, and this. And a main part of that was the mental space. It put me in the mental position that it put my husband in. It's just, you know, and now we have another baby to take care of, so that was something else to take into consideration. So, yeah, the words carry weight. So, be mindful of them. Yeah, even if and, you're a stranger.
0: And remember, there doesn't always have to be a because. Yeah, you don't always have to yes. say because of this, and you don't
3: have to well, justify because
0: it. of. I want it because this, or I don't want it because of this. Like, it doesn't have to be a because it is because is. Because like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Right. Like, that is the reason there you, and it's okay. And you're confident in that. Like, so yeah, you don't like, I feel like a lot of people feel like, they have to defend their reasons and it's like, no, you shouldn't have to defend your reason. If you're making the choice that's best for you, that's all that matters. It's all that matters. Yep.
2: If you make a mom Absolutely. question her question, her decisions, question her parenthood
0: question mm-hmm. her
2: ability or reasons as a mom. That's not support. That's not advice. That's it's just mean. It's just mean, and it's it's unwanted, unsolicited. Not advice, but just unsolicited speaking.
1: I love it. it yeah, yeah. Just,
2: moms need support.
1: It's and important. Support. Well, not only that, <laughs> but I just kind of want to take it off on a little tangent. But we have a serious maternal mental health crisis in our country, especially yeah. for women one, two years postpartum. And when we create this environment where women are scared to share their feelings because they feel yes. judged and they see these comments flying around social media or wherever about which way is the right way to give birth mm-hmm. or all of those different things, it makes them more afraid to share their feelings. And it also makes them feel like their feelings are wrong. And when you are in a mental state where you feel guilty about your thoughts and you feel like you can't share them without being judged, then Mm -hmm. they're going to sit inside your head and your mind and, and fester and grow. And it's going, it can lead to really long-term complications. And I think we all know that mental health affects our physical health as well. And so we're, we're having moms that are literally getting sick because Mm -hmm they are not supported in their decisions. I mean, I'm sure you've seen this too, Jesse, like on your, you have a big social media presence, our social media presence getting bigger all the time. And that I found that the bigger we get, the more we get these people that just kind of seem like they just want to argue with whatever we say, or they take one little thing and, and pick it apart. Right, and I know I've texted Megan a couple of times, like because you know I anxiety over here. I'm working on it, you know. But like mm-hmm. the, sometimes those things really upset me, and I'll text yeah. Megan and I'll be like, "What do you think about this?" And Megan like calms me down and lets me know that there's like 500 positive comments <laughs> one right. Megan and one negative one. But like, I I really still even get worked up about those type of things and. Is something that I have to actively work on and I'm still learning coping strategies and stuff for, but my anxiety did not start until after I had my VBAC baby, mm-hmm. which is really interesting because I had a, like a, what I would describe as like a perfect textbook VBAC. It was a perfect birth. It went every, everything I ex- wanted it to be. And I had really severe postpartum depression, postpartum anxiety. It was my worst mental health after any of my pregnancies. And so I had this beautiful birth, but I had all of these expectations I set myself as a motherhood based on what other people thought yeah. and what mm-hmm. I perceived to be the right way to be a mom. Mm-hmm. And because I could not be fit this mold that I had set for myself. Mm-hmm. And because I felt like I didn't have a group of people to go to I could talk to because all of my people were in this little mold, so I thought, right, I kept it inside and it and it really did a lot of damage to my mental health. And I know I'm not the only one that feels like that. Right? Yeah. And that's why we share stories from all different types of people and all different types of births and all different types of decisions and from all over the world, even because we want people to know that they're not alone. It's always okay to share your feelings. It's always okay to get help. And it's never okay to judge somebody else based on their decision. It's never okay. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I can totally relate to the, uh, the comment stuff. I honestly can't even go to my comments. I've got like a really strong group of moms here Mm -hmm. and they're usually, it's like you said, it's usually not even from people that are following you. They're not even coming to your page. Oh yeah. They see one like your content. They yeah. Don't, yeah, they're not coming because they like you. They're coming because you're triggering them. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, the people that I do see and that I, I end up blocking them because I don't want anything negative that they say to affect a mom on my page um, we, or we to like read too. the comments or see it. So I, I will block them, but they're not even following me. And mm-hmm. I find it so, mm-hmm. I find it so intriguing. Like, why are you here? why are you here? What are you looking to get? And it's usually just because probably they don't feel supported in their choices, um, Mm -hmm, in their life. So they're, they're attacking you for your choices or whatever. But yeah, the comment section is a dangerous place to be, especially, um, if, if the post has been up for a while. So I don't, every once in a while I'll go back and then I'm like, why did I do that? Because, (laughs) you know, it's just, it's just toxic. But I think like, if I had one piece of advice for a new mom, It would be just, you know, to not look, not read every book, not ask everybody what they did, you know, because moms have an intuition Mm -hmm. and they just, they just need to feed into that a little bit more. Just trust your gut. If you've got a stomach ache about something, it's, it's your second brain trying to be like, Hey, your, your first brain's not listening to you. I'm going to make you throw up over it. And I'm telling you that something is wrong here. Something is not right. And if it doesn't sit well with you, the mom, you get to be the, you get to be the deciding factor. And if somebody's giving you advice and it doesn't feel quite right, it's not good advice mm-hmm. for you. For
1: so you, you just, yeah exactly.
2: for you. Yeah. And that's exactly it. Like it, just because you're getting advice from your mom, just because you're getting advice from your best friend who also has a kid, you're probably also going to get advice from your friend that doesn't have a kid. That's that's imagining how they would be as a parent, which that always is great. Um, You, just because you're getting all that advice, it doesn't mean that it's the right advice for you and your situation and your kids and you as a mom. So my advice is to take what you need and to ditch what you don't. If you like something that somebody's doing, if you like something that your mom told you or your friend or your grandma or whoever, take it and if the other parts of it don't align with your vision of how you see yourself being a mom or how you plan on birthing kids or all of the things just ditch that and it mm-hmm. just is going to feel so much better if you just have that confidence to just to just put your foot down and be like no nope, this I'm the mom like this is how it's going to be and i feel like we need to support moms in those decisions also yeah. uh, because for some reason we feel like i don't want to be rude so i'm just going to let this happen but it's either your feelings or their feelings. And I don't think the mom should have to sacrifice her feelings around her kids, around her birthday <laughs> experience, around all of everything else. Because at the end of the day, it's your experience, it's yep. your journey. And it looks a little bit different for everybody else. So. And if
1: you see some content on social media that you don't agree with, just scroll along.
2: You do not have to comment. (laughs) You don't. I promise. (laughs) I promise you don't have to leave your opinion.
1: (laughs) Well, we hate to cut it off short. I feel like we could, this is something we could talk about forever, but I didn't want to um, say that sometimes it's a hard thing to decide whether to try for vaginal birth after cesarean or just schedule a repeat cesarean. Neither choice is a bad choice. Um, but we did write a blog about how to decide if an elective C-section is best for you and your baby. And Jesse, you said, don't read, don't read all the books, but you can read this one blog. <laughs> <laughs> and we're going to drop a link for that blog in our bio, or you can just go to our website, the vbacklink.com, and just search for elective C-section, and it will be linked there. It'll list medical reasons for C-sections, but also other reasons why people might ch- choose to have an elective cesarean. And there's yeah. no right answer for you, um and like Jesse said, there's a million ways to motherhood. There's no
0: wrong. Answer
1: <laughs> yes, there's right. no wrong answer. But before we go, we do want Jesse to share a little bit more about um, some of the stuff that she does and how you can find and follow her, because we know you love her by now just as much as we do. Oh, thanks, guys. Well, and I think
0: that this this informa- information that you're going to share is so powerful because it really. Isn't paid attention to enough. So tell us all about what you've got your toes and hands dipped into.
2: Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, so I've got my own page. It's Move with True Love. You guys uh, got plugged into that at the beginning of this, but I'm also um, very deeply connected to Nancy Anderson. And if you are in the prenatal and postpartum, field or realm, or if you're a mom, you need to know uh, what we're doing over here. So I am the program director and the head coach for the Move Your Bump uh, app, and that is our prenatal and prenatal fitness and nutrition app. We've got over 400 on-demand coached follow-along workouts of every style, every fitness level. We've got multiple, multiple expert coaches that Always have your bump in mind. We focus on minimizing excessive diastasis, which is the ab separation, which, you know, became this really hot topic on social media. But there are about a thousand ways you can get it. And we really focus on the prevention of that during pregnancy to help you have a more comfortable pregnancy. But more importantly, we're training you for labor because it is like the hardest workout of your life. Whether you are a, a vaginal delivery mom or a C-section mom, it is going to be a fight and you want to make sure that you are training properly. Uh, and then also we prepare you for a faster recovery. And we do that through the Move Your Bump app, through workouts, through breath rope routines, through focusing on posture, troubleshooting issues that we see most commonly in prenatal mamas. And then we also have challenges uh, throughout our app with private family face- Facebook uh, group communities with thousands of other moms throughout the world that are connected through their sharing bumpies and checking in for progress and then also the ability to win prizes
0: there. So it's super fun. And um, there's, the, a, there's a, there's something starting on the third, right? You guys are doing a challenge starting on the third. Is that yes. Right? Yeah. We have a bump. The third challenge. of what?
1: Oh, the it's third the
0: third of May. But this episode you, isn't going to air till June. But do you do those often?
2: <laughs> we you do. do we often? do. We do them every single month. The first Monday mm-hmm. of every month, uh, we do uh, multiple challenges. We have a before your bump challenge, which is our trying to conceive challenge, uh, and we've got all kinds of information on stress management, fertility, hormones, nutrition to optimize your fertility as well as fitness. We want to make sure that we are staying nice and strong and focusing on the things that are most important to not only support a pregnancy but also recover from your delivery. So we also do through the Birth Recovery Center, which is our like umbrella company that's going to be having multiple courses, including things like sleep support, lactation consulting, mental health, all kinds of stuff that moms are going to need through their journey. Uh, And then so the big, the hero product there is the Ab Rehab course. So that's our 12 week postpartum recovery course uh, that helps you recover and heal fully from your delivery. Whether you are a C section mom or a vaginal mom, whether you delivered 10 weeks, 10 months, or 10 years ago, uh, this program is basically for everybody with a pelvic floor. Uh, so that's everybody. Um, we focus on the foundational work and the reasons why diastasis happens in the first place. Pregnancy is definitely something to recover from as well as uh, your delivery because so much is changing in such a short amount of time. Birth is basically a lot of trauma to the body, which takes a lot of rehab and a lot of specific coaching, specific protocols to make sure that we are addressing everything that happens during, um, during pregnancy and during delivery. So we'll focus on Postural imbalances, posture habits that happen during pregnancy and then even pre-pregnancy, probably a lot of these muscle imbalances uh, you've had before you were even pregnant. Uh, Pregnancy just does a really good job of showing us where our weaknesses are because we're trying to support a big bump growing out in front of us and our balance changes, pressure changes. So imbalances and muscle weaknesses and compensations tend to really present themselves in in the forefront during pregnancy and then stick around postpartum if we're not actively working to correct them. So through the 12-week course, we focus on posture. We focus on breathing patterns, which is huge. We focus on uh, pelvic floor, not only function, but the ability to connect with pelvic floor and lower abs, uh, which we really don't have a lot of access to during pregnancy. If you're not actively working to keep that connection, that's why a lot of moms are left with like a lower belly pooch or feeling like you can never really like turn on your lower abs. That's a muscle dysfunction, which we help thousands of moms. We probably have about five to 8,000 moms join our course every single month, every single challenge. And we coach All of them through video communication, through our course, through video assessments. We have a whole entire team of of course specialists that help customize the 12 week course to specific needs, because like we said, there's a million roads to motherhood. There's a million roads to your recovery, too. And that can't be done with a one size fits all course, which is why we are so, so passionate about Customizing the ability to customize this course with troubleshooting videos if you have a hypertonic or hypotonic pelvic floor, whether you've developed prolapse, you know, there's a lot of things that are happening postpartum, and we address a lot of them. We also have an in-house DBT on our staff uh, who can work to coach you through some more difficult things that that need a higher level of expertise on. So we really we really are just hoping to raise the standard of care for moms postpartum. Moms just deserve all of the support, and it, it really does take a village to do that. And so that's why we've got our hands in all the cookie jars with lactation and sleep and birth prep and mental health and, and of course, our 12-week ab rehab, as well as nutrition. We have, we have a little bit of everything, and we are working to be the top providers for that, for that since we are already doing that with ab
0: rehab love it. Yeah. Oh really my gosh. Proud of it. So much goodness in there. So awesome. Oh, well, thank you so much for sharing your story and your wisdom. And obviously this awesome course, course is, so we really appreciate you. We love your face and <laughs> we just can't wait to continue our relationship. Right back at you. Thank
1: you so much for having me. Absolutely. Thank you.
3: Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to the VBAClink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to the vbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAClink.